Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and my two dumb people with me are... I'm dumber. I'm Australian, so I don't understand this process. I, I Sorry, I came in hot. I don't know how to respond to that. Let me try again. I Welcome to Generally Casual. This is... I am co-host Michael, and the two people with me are... A representative from Australia, Corey. I'm duly elected, and I'm Richard. And duly, duly, like, yes. like two. You've got two of you, yep. in the same seat. No, the, I, I was elected by two people. I'm oh, glad I came in hot. Elected. That way, we didn't have anything silly. <laughs> 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 we have real names, and we have real people sitting in these chairs that have names as well. And we were all elected, yeah, by each other. I didn't choose you. You're not my elected. No, I elected you, and you elected me. I wait. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, with um, what's happening in America right now is we are leading up to an election of sorts. Um, of we have- sorts. <laughs> it's kind of an it's, election. Yeah. It's kind of like the biggest election we have every four years. Um, in this election, um, presidential a presidential seat is open, and every state are voting on ballots and measures. And then in two years, we vote on the senators. Yes. Yes. So the and pres- other measures and propositions. Yeah. So most of the time, presidential elections, if not every time, are not the same as when we vote for House representatives and senators and things like that. They're it's only because they're weird, and some of them have like six years of, uh, I guess, residency. Uh, they can do their job for six years without having to be reelected, and then some of them are four, and some of them are two. It's just a whole yeah. It's a bunch of weird stuff. Weird. So, today we thought that we would go through and talk about the voting process in America because it is very unique, strange, weird, and there's a lot of things tied into it that people are either like, oh, that's really cool, or this is the worst system ever. So, we're going to try to go through casually and explain our voting process to you all who are listening. Um. Richard actually did something really cool, and he actually went out and vetted some people that at his at his workplace. Yeah, and asked them, "What do you want to know about voting?" So, throughout here, we won't have their names or anything, but we'll have. Some... No, I will shout them out right now. So, Jim Bob. No, <laughs> I went today. I went up to two coworkers. Their names are Lisa and Madia. Shout out, and uh, shout asked out. them. I said, "What? What do you? What type of questions?" you guys have about the voting system and kind of where things are at so i i can actually cover these real quick because more or less we can go into the stuff after yeah and i would also like to say on that same vein that's also why Corey's here yeah is yeah. he's also our resident person to ask questions while we're describing the voting system to him and going australia is better sure i don't know why you would ever say that but you know <laughs> so oh and for this one we didn't do a definition because we're Kind of what we'll, we'll, we'll actually start with is actually what is going on. And when you go in or you do whatever you do to vote, where your vote goes. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead with those questions and we'll get into it. Yeah. So basically, the one of the questions was about how if you are registered to vote, because in this country you have to register in order to vote. And when you register, you pick a party or you pick independent or you pick of non-whatever the two big parties being the democratic party and the republican party 
why is it that if you like register for Democrat and you when you're voting, you can only see Democratic nominees? Well, in terms of that, it actually depends on what state you're in. But um, there are two different portions of the election process specifically for presidential. And you there's a primary process where all the candidates that, you know, are running for president um, run in a primary. And then when you vote on that, depending on what state you're in, if you're registered to vote Democrat, you only can vote in that primary for Democratic candidates. Same thing with the Republican. But if they're, if you're in a state that has an open primary, you can vote for whoever you want. If it's closed, you can only vote for that specific party. And then there's also some variances and there's caucuses and a bunch of other complicated stuff, which in terms of it, it discussion it doesn't really matter because basically one is basically you can only vote for the one person you represent or you can vote for everybody and then there's kind of halfway and other tallies and things like that um however in the general election you can vote for whoever it's not restricted so why do they restrict the primaries so it like i said it's from state to state which is differentiated but i think it's a way for to make it easier for the state to determine because before you, while you're campaigning for president, you have to break it off into parties anyway. And so they want to be able to funnel down the candidates down to a specific candidate rather than, like in the case of this year, there was like 10 dem- Democratic candidates. And so for, um, it, in California, it's really complicated because we have what's called top two so they basically, because California votes later in their primary than other states do, by the time that they get, I think we're like the third day of primaries or something like that, they will have already tabulated saying like, these are the two most popular, mm-hmm. and then they'll put those on the ballot for them. But it's a way for them to decide uh, bigger states can funnel it down versus smaller states. It's, it's all dependent on how the st- state legislature is and kind of how they yeah. want it voted. <clears throat> and we're going to, well, yeah, we'll, we'll explain more in a bit. What was the other uh, question? The other question was about assemblymen, um, which we'll actually go more in depth later because it has to do with state legislature. And they had a question about if, when you vote on your assemblyman and an assemblyman is someone who is uh, for the state house or state Senate, which is the lawmaking procedure of the state. Um, what are, how do they get elected and what, who's to say that they're representing my district and a district is like a County or like a smaller area um, in a state. Um, and that's also state by state. And in terms of California, you uh any assemblyman has to live in their district for a year and they have to live in the state for three years they have to be a u.s citizen and they have to be registered to vote and that differentiates between a bunch of different states washington actually washington state you don't have to (laughs) live in the district you don't have to live in the state but you do have to um be a u.s citizen and you do have to be registered to vote which I thought was super weird. It's like, well, then what? Who is representing those districts? Yeah. If they're not even like live in California, I'm gonna go run for Washington State Assembly because why not? Yeah. So yeah, it was super weird. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting process because, um, uh, in terms of voting, actually, that's where potentially people can make the most change, is on lower local levels, and 
uh, running for those state assembly positions because that usually, especially if you're like a third party candidate, that's how you can kind of get more involved and kind of make a bigger splash for third party. It's yeah. easier to pester a more regional person too. Well, yeah. And also if you start building up at a local level, it'll start spreading and get bigger at a smaller level, which will then build into a bigger level. Exactly. <clears throat> so, so those are the two questions. Yeah. Yeah. And getting right into it, we'll start with exactly what the day of voting, if we weren't stuck in a big pandemic, this is exactly what would happen. Right. So on the day of voting, um, you would walk in to a, um, what do they call those? A polling location. A polling location. Thank you. You would walk into a polling location, and they are legally not allowed to have anything, any advertisements at the polling location. All a polling location is, and your um, legal rights as a voter, is you are allowed to go in there, not advertised by anybody, vote um, as quietly as possible without anybody talking to you, and then be able to leave after you turned in your ballot. Those are all legal requirements that you have, legal rights that you have on the day of voting, is that you can go in, vote, and leave without anybody harassing you to vote a specific way. And no sequestering. No, no sequestering. That sounds very important. It is it absolutely is important. <laughs> And that's like one of our fundamental rights there. Now, before and afterwards, well, you can get harassed as much as you want, wherever you want. Um, and I'll actually go into those those details later on. So, day of voting. Now, what happens to your vote afterwards? You have turned it in to the polling people. They have put it in their secret little box, which um, you've already uh, put it into an envelope that's been sealed. And it has your name and address on it. To make sure Should be signature, yeah. And signature um that verifies you live in the district and that you have verified where this is going because you actually don't have to live in the same area as your vote that your yep. vote is cast as long as a, a, you've uh notified the polling people where your vote should be going. Yes. Which of course a little bit delays, but it is recommend you you vote in the district that you're supposed to. That way, your your vote can be tallied as quick as possible. Yes. So, what happens to your vote after it is turned in? So, there's actually two things because you went over in person voting. Yeah. And there's also mail in voting, which technically mail in voting isn't on all fifty states. Technically, they have they have mail in voting on every state, but there are certain requirements in certain states. Yeah. You can also absentee ballot, and yes. you can also turn in both of those. At a polling location. <laughs> yes. And also, it's probably a good idea to mention right now that it's, I think it's too late now to do a mail-in vote, right? And it, for it to arrive in time for when it's important. So, yes, if you're mail actually mailing it. Yes. Um, however, mail-in votes in the state of California, because I didn't look up for a bunch of different states for this, but... Because California has more generic mail-in rules, you can take your mail-in ballot and seal it and, and sign it and then take it to a polling location and drop yeah, it off. Yeah, you're your own postie. Or um, ignore or that you, all the, together and just go vote a polling yeah, location. Yeah, yeah, that is true too. Um, but certain states do have requirements that have to mail. And then also they have post-date things as well. So yeah. I think in California, actually, even if you mail it, as long as it's post-dated, you're fine. Mm. It just will be counted technically later. And that's different. A mail-in ballot is different from an absentee ballot. Absentee ballot meaning that you are can't be there right. to vote. 
um, which then I believe it's required that you do it by a certain date. By a certain date. And I think the rules on that are then you can't go to a polling location to vote because then that's illegal. Well, and in specific states, some of them don't ro- don't allow mail-in. They only allow absentee. Yeah. But so we're casual about this. Let's go. Needless <laughs> to say, moving on from that. So after that, no matter how you vote, as long as it you have voted and whatever, it's gathered up, whether from the post boxes that everybody's put in their early votes in or whatever it's gathered up and it's taken to the county depending on which county you live in elections office and what they have a bunch of different responsibilities um one of which is they where is it uh coordinate the tabulation of votes from each county on election night and after each election the elections division produces the official the official statement of vote the official compilation of vote totals for each state election and that is for all portions of the election process including the presidential election mm-hmm. which is determined you know that's when they read out those totals for the presidential election that's what the popular vote is is literally every single ballot has been counted and the total number of for this candidate is that popular vote and the total number of this candidate is this popular vote. Everything else on your ballot is actually determined by simple majority vote. Mm-hmm. Presidential election is the only thing that's different. Yeah, and we'll get into that yes. <laughs> again. We'll get into that a little bit later. We're trying to Your, proceed step yes. by step to make it e- as easy to understand. Um, but uh, there's a couple other things the elections office that is responsible for, which the one that I wanted to point out is the elect county elections office also determines the order in which case and in which candidates are placed on the ballot as well which was interesting to me mm-hmm. so they actually determine for each county there's a specific set of people who will determine okay this this candidate goes first this candidate goes second this candidate goes so that way on it's your ballot why can they not just alphabetize it i it's just something that i looked up and it's their responsibility i thought it was very interesting Sounds unnecessary. It is. It's extra work. I don't like it. It should be out surfing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Australian politics go. <laughs> so, yes, then that number from that, the popular vote is tabulated and then given and then publicized pretty much. Yeah. So it is very much our election process is very much for the people, by the people quotes on all of that because we'll get into why that's not 100% true. <laughs> but for... For state ballots and measures and more localized things, that's very true. Yeah. Like, because it's such small numbers, by by the people, for the people is exactly what that is because it's really hard to fudge those numbers or change those at all. If, like, only a thousand people live in a county, those thousand people are going to have all the say in the world of what goes on in their county. But that only applies to what's being pushed forward, not just everything. Well, and that's the thing is specifically on on a ballot – Every four years, because that's really the the bigger ballot versus the every two one is is less, is you're going to have a presidential candidate along with their vice presidential candidate as one vote. There's usually a Senate, um, a f- country, federal, Senate, a federal house, and then it goes down further and further to more local stuff, which we kind of talked about already, assemblymen. There's usually like... Um, some board of supervisor positions. There's like, uh, like appellate judge 
positions because those are all voted on as well. And then after that is uh, propositions and measures, which is literally like amendments to laws or laws and then bonds and money things. Yeah. So basically the county or the state decides like, oh, the state has to put aside money for schools as an example. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the presidential stuff for now yeah. and just go straight because we're talking about ballots and measures. How do you figure those out? How do you figure out the crazy weird jargon that goes around with ballots and measures? Because weirdly, voting for a person is easier than voting on a ballot measure because a person is a representation of ideas. But even that can only go so far because sometimes people are so plain to go, mm, he has brown hair. Nah, <laughs> I'm not going to vote for that guy. Because it's your vote. You can literally do what you want with it, and it depends on how much you want to research. Do you want to go into this person's past um, and figure out all the things they have voted for or what they've done to the uh, to the country, for the country, and how they – like that a person is how much research you want to put in. And I would say the average voter is probably not going to do that. No. They're probably going to pay attention to the debate and so on and see what their advertisements are about, but not really go on to see what they've actually done. And even further on the ballot, they actually list like current job title for like as an example mm. for like the local people, they will say like this person is an assemblyman right now. And the other one is like mother. And you're like, why would I vote for someone who's a mother versus someone who's our current assemblyman? So sometimes people won't even pay attention to anything and they'll literally just look at that to vote. Mm. Yeah. So Voting, actually, for a ballot or measure is really easy. You just vote yes or no. But that is where, actually, the funny part comes in. It's not funny at all because that's also where people get most confused. Yeah. Sometimes voting yes for something means you're not voting for it. And sometimes voting no for something means you are for it. And why, why does that make sense? Because the way they change the lingo in the ballot or measure, the measure could be to apply a new idea to a law or amending it. Or the ballot measure could be to replace it. Or it could be to add a whole new something to it. And voting yes or no on some of these is very confusing because of what the, the ballot measure actually does. So we have a very nice website. Um, I believe it's unbiased because it's just... Yeah, to, it's just facts. It's just facts. Um, Ballotpedia is actually really great for helping unjargonize <laughs> some of this nonsense that goes into the ballots and measures because... They have to make it legally appropriate. So they have to put all these useless words in there. And so by the time you're actually reading what the actual ballot or measure is, you're like, I don't, what is this? <laughs> so the, the also the, the issue is, is they have only have so much space on these ballots to be able to explain what you're voting on. Yeah. And they, they are limited. So they have to, they don't get a whole page. They get like a paragraph. So I wanted to start with a big one that's happening in California. And we're talking about California because we live here. Um, and we're not going to go into like New York or Washington or Cal Colorado because it doesn't really apply to us and we have no reason I, to research. Well, and we didn't vote on any of yeah, this stuff. Yeah, we're not so, voting on it. Yeah. So the first one kind of called out by Corey um, because it's it, the jargon in it is hard to follow. It is California Proposition 22, App-Based Drivers as Contracts and Labor, Labor Policies Initiative. Already that title, title is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> what is this? Like... App-based drivers as contractors and labor policies initiative. That's already the regular person is going to be like, 
I don't know what and, the heck I'm voting for. And the confusing thing, correct me if I'm wrong, about this pr- proposition is it's technically already been something that's been voted and decided on. Absolutely And this would be correct. something that overrides right. yes. a current law. Yes. So, correct. what Ballotpedia does is it breaks this apart into the simple part on the top. It goes green as a yes and a red as a no. So what you're voting on, what it does. It tells you a yes supports it. And a no vote opposes it, which is good because they're already telling you, like, do I like this? Do I not? And then there's a giant bill-sized amount of, like, words below it that tells you it goes in-depth on every proposition. And I would say this is the the best thing to research because it mostly applies – sorry. It's the most thing that applies to you. Honestly, voting for your president is very important because it shows the public face of our country – but what the president does has a less of an impact on you as an individual, but more as across federal, yes. um, across the federal policies. So large things get to get changed, which has a long term effect. Short term changes, like what happens in your state, the president unfortunately can't really change that much. As example, like all the states who are kind of battling our president currently. Um, that's that's what happens. That's with our checks and balances. There's there's a series of things that impose and block. So that's also why a lot of presidents can't do a lot in four years. Oh yeah, because some <sighs> states states override federal. Stuff yeah, exactly. The other way around. So many presidents have had yeah. four years of nothing because just state battling and yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so, the other thing and the reason also why this is important is because this uh, propositions also have to do with taxes. Yes. So in order to enable new taxes, like as an example in California. Whenever they want to raise the gas tax, they have to put it in a proposition. And in California, the gas tax is massive. So mm-hmm. people have voted on this gas tax multiple times to increase it for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing, if you want to read the bunch of text that's right below the description of the proposition, it gives you an overview, um, what it would change, what this certain type of bill is. Well, on uh, that specific thing, in this specific instance, it's actually referencing the amendment to what it is. Yeah. So it's saying it would change this previous bill and how it does that. I think the easiest way for you to understand, if, you are, if you're not a big reader, is to scroll down. And what I really love, they actually keep a full text of the bill in here for you to read. So if you wanted to be that person, go ahead. All the way down here, it shows who supports it. Their arguments, their official arguments, so they give you an argument, <laughs> uh, uh, a minimized version of what they, oh, yeah, what they said, and version. then the official version, and they show the opposition. So if you are way more about who's for the, for the ballot or measure, this is a really easy way to go about it because you can see all the people who are for and against it. Maybe you're with a certain group that you're like, oh, I believe in a lot of what this group believes. You can go ahead and go with with your group on this, or you can do the heavy research yourself and look through Ballotpedia and everything that's associated with it. And then there's one more thing that I'd like you to scroll down to, and that's the campaign finance. Which is also about <laughs> the support. Literally, it, it <clears throat> takes that opposing and um, support argument and says, all right, so you've given us these statements. Okay, where have you put your money? Mm-hmm. And in some cases... Looking at where the money is spent is a very important thing because some of these propositions, like in this case, Prop 22, the support 
total contributions was like astronomical. Two hundred. What is that? Two hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Versus the opposed was 20. only twenty million. And this is where the big thing comes in for this proposition specifically because it's about app based um, driving. Driving. The people who donated oh tremendous amounts of money. Mm, I wonder. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, uh, Instacart, Instacart, and, and Postmates—they're yeah. all for it because it saves them money to keep this proposition or to, uh, to vote to vote to support Proposition Twenty Two. So it's very important to scroll to that section because it makes it very clear if it's like okay, the top campaign donors are the ones that are in favor of overturning this particular thing. Oh, why would they be like that? You read a little further into it. And be like, oh, well, they're complaining that they can't afford to pay their, you know, door dashes or whatever, uh, a fair wage or other things that other businesses need to do. But then they manage to find all this money to campaign for a particular proposition. Exactly. Then you're like, ah, I don't think it's a matter of the spending of the money i think it's what makes them more money so and then you can use that to form your own judgment and that's actually like a perfect way to describe that because that happens so much with these is that you know you will see random signs on the side that says yes vote yes vote no on this but mostly it's about where the money flows if a certain if a certain group is putting a hundred million dollars into advertising for you to vote yes on it and then the other group is like, well, I only put a million dollars and we're like a local group. And it's like like a, a bit of morality kind of states, hmm, maybe I should think about that. Not like immediate yes or no's, just that's questionable. And being questionable, it should tell you already to do a little more research into it. Not just pay attention to a random sign that tells you what to vote yes or no on, but really take the research into your own hands and go on a lovely website like this. That's strictly unbiased, and all they do is show you facts. Because they're not t- saying vote yes or no. There's no advertisement on this page. It's simply telling you what a yes means and what a no means. And I wanted to quickly vote uh, tell you exactly what the yes means. So a yes on Prop 22 means you are supporting this initiative to define app-based transportation, so ride shares, and delivery drivers as independent contractors and adopt labor and wage policies specific to app-based drivers and companies. So this is a little hard, but as my brother described, this is more complicated because it shifts current um, current employees of these rideshare companies to being their own contractors, and which is an entirely different set of rules. Well, and as you read actually the no, that it's where it becomes more complicated. The no vote opposes this ballot initiative, meaning California Assembly Bill 5. So it already references something that you're like, I don't know what that is. And it references the year 2019 is when that came into <laughs> effect. Yep. Could be used to decide whether app-based drivers are employees or independent contractors. Yeah. So you kind of leave this nebulous thing. If you vote no, it says this other bill will determine whether or not they are or not. Which but, is exactly what Corey was talking about, is that we voted in this bill last year to go um, quickly decide, define that. It says there's a three-factor test, three test to determine whether someone's an independent contractor. So it's already like, this bill took care of that. And then the main thing that I would get out of this is the fact that, yes, a vote yes gives a very set outcome. Whereas a vote no 
is less set, but it gives the opportunity for progression. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, using any type of website like Ballotpedia is better than trying to <laughs> disassemble these yourself because the people who work on Ballotpedia obviously have some kind of shoe in um, politics itself. Not that they're associated, but it's like they've got people there who understand it well enough that they can describe it to the average person. Yeah, it's probably their job. Yeah, and I honestly, it doesn't take that long to look into all of these. It um, Every year I take a couple hours, read through all of these before I vote, really kind of get a grasp on what these are, and then go vote for the uh, uh, ballots and measures because those are really important to me because this is where I live, and these are exactly what what's going to impact me every year well and not only for me the reason and i came to this kind of conclusion in 2016 is that for me ballot the ballot measures and propositions are way more important purely because people are not reading up on them and not informing themselves about it and like in the 2016 election for california there was a bunch of stuff that was voted on that people we're just following advertisements for and not actually paying attention to what the proposition said. So there were plenty of things that either passed or were opposed that should have been the opposite voted. There don't seem to be many protections in voting on propositions and stuff to stop uh, misinformed or throwaway votes as there are in the electoral process itself. Oh, yeah. for sure. And let's get into that, Corey. The electoral process, which is our process for voting in our president. President. Do some say it's outdated? Well, that's not my policy today. It's just my job here to tell you what it <laughs> what, is. What it is. Did I just oppose my opinion? Don't re don't listen to me. <laughs> listen to the facts that I researched. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the way we vote for our president is still theoretically a popular vote. No, it isn't. Wait, hold on, Michael. Uh, <laughs> we use what is called an electoral college. Now, this was founded... Um, <clears throat> Blah, blah, blah. In 1824, Yay. a long time ago in a place far, far away. We live when, in California, so it's technically far, far away. When did toilet paper come out? That's a good question. Yeah, Why don't you like research that? Some independent research on it as we try and figure this stuff out. And who, who brought in the ballot measure for toilet paper? Because I feel <laughs> like <laughs> if this came out before toilet paper, that, that should be a sign of change, yeah. right? Also, look up when did uh, plumbing become a thing? Sliced bread, maybe, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, the Electoral College. So, again, to re rewind, you go and vote for the president. You just simply mark who you want. Wow, toilet paper came out in 1857. That shows how old After our system... After the Electoral College. 30 That's years. Terrible. <laughs> um, so, yes, our system for voting our president is older than toilet, toilet paper. paper. Uh, Fun fact. This just in, <laughs> reporting first, generally casual. <laughs> um, yeah, if you were waiting this whole podcast, you're like, give me an interesting fact. Well, there's your interesting <laughs> fact for the podcast. Um, so our vote gets sent off to the polling place, and then that gets sent off to another place where the vote is counted. Then what happens is it goes into this weird process of electoral college. Now, it was originally invented to try to get a grasp on how many people were in the country. And so, because back in 1824, turning in paper was incredibly difficult. A laborious process, a you would very, say. And, and remember, 
there's not a machine that's counting these up, and and I'm sure this happens today. Is someone literally is going, okay, dink, 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 dink. Put the number on the board for each one of these dinks, and and so they have to go. This one person voted for this president. This one person voted for this candidate, and they're literally counting billions of these things a day. Now rewind when there didn't have like 300 million people in this country. <laughs> And we go through the process of having thousands of people, and that's just a, a really tedious process to do. So they thought of, why don't we have a person represent a certain county or district and have that person be the signifying vote, the saying that these people are voting for these, majority of these people are voting for this candidate, so that means that's one vote for that county. Hmm. Hmm. Another fun fact. The U.S. population in 1820, in between 1820 and 30, was uh, 9,600,000 people. That's still a lot more than I expected. <clears throat> so, 9 million people, and they had to invent a system that um, counted for all those people. Yeah. Um, and I still, I still believe that people walked in, did their, did their polling, and then walked back out. And yeah. it was the same rules. It, I the, believe so, yeah. Those rules have been in, in place for a long time. So well, yeah, I was uh, gonna say I remember in history class they did talk about how a uh, long, 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 long time ago that they would campaign in front of the polling place, but they couldn't do it inside of the polling yes. place. So um, to kind of skip a quick second, there are five hundred and thirty-eight electorates or electors in in uh, the United States. Five hundred thirty-eight is spread out between each state depending on population. And they base the population based off of the House of Representatives. Um, and so uh, I believe is California, we have 55. 55, yep. And then that's spread out throughout the uh, throughout the state. And I believe every state at least gets two. Two. Um, so something like uh, Maryland probably would have like three or four. And Rhode Island probably Rhode has Rhode Island two. has two. And then New York and big place, big states are have a lot more. And California actually has the most in the United States. Yes. And then does that mean that it is weighted inversely proportional to the amount of seats? What do you mean? Like, so uh, do they act... Is the one vote of one of the 55 in California worth the same as the one, one in vote. two hey, in Rhode Island. Hey, hey, Corey, you described one big issue with Electoral College. We'll come back to that in a second <laughs> <laughs> after I finish describing. In order to secure the seat for being president, please remember that, by the way. Okay. In order to secure the seat for president, you need 270 of these electoral votes. Yes. So that means in the county that you are in, a majority of the people who live, I think they call them districts, in the, the majority of the people who live in your district have to vote a certain way for you to get the vote you want. Now, here's the issue. The people who, like, let's say that 65% of your district voted for the purple person. and I like your color choice. And the other percentage voted for the rainbow person. Yellow. Yellow person. Sure. Yellow person. Opposite on color wheel. Yeah, well, I wasn't thinking that. Uh, so we have the purple person who got 65% and yellow who got the remainder percent. Theoretically, in the electoral college, those yellow, the, the yellow percentage are thrown out. Sorry, and, it's orange. Sorry, orange. The orange people <laughs> are thrown out. Orange and only those. the purple purple vote matters for the representative. 
the representative is bound by state law, not federal law, um, depending on what the state uh, has set up for their uh, representatives. Um, most states use the um, winner-takes-all approach, and then some states oh, use okay. um, some variation on it. They said something about using the traditional congressional method, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. Um, but I'm guessing that means that the 55 votes that we would have in California would represent um, the Purple. overall... No, no, no. The overall voting. So that way, sixty-five percent of our fifty-five would be would purple, be purple, and, and then the, the remainder percentage would be, would be orange. Or some states just go all fifty-five go that color. So mm. the only interesting thing that I actually looked up is they don't technically have to vote that way. This is where I was going to get into that. Yeah. If they don't vote that way, they're actually um, removed from office. Really? Yes. Because they are contractually obliged by the state law, and that depend, depends on the state law. Oh, I was going to say, because in 2016, there were seven electors that didn't vote yes. the way that they were supposed to. And they're actually, they have a term for it called faithless voter. Yes. And Maine and Nebraska are the only, P- only states that do not use the winner-take-all approach. Oh, okay. Um, and winner-take-all, again, means... Whoever won in the state, they get all the votes. And that's why there are places like swing votes, because you're taking everything from that state. Yeah. But, again, if you look at the inverse approach, that means that the people who, uh, if, the, if the whole state is voting purple, that means all the orange votes in that state don't, don't matter count. and don't count. And that's, actually, moving on, because I don't want to touch on the problems yet until we get to Corey's problem. So, in the end... All you need is to take 270 votes from the entire United States in order to become president, which means you're only looking to get 270 representatives. You're not looking to get 51% of the population. Right. You're looking to get the representatives of all the states, not the population. And then I'm assuming that also is where gerrymandering can fall into. Correct. But that's, that's exactly what he was talking about, actually, earlier. Yes. And, so, and that's why I'm talking about that the, the orange votes didn't matter because they change. And gerrymandering, of course, is changing the way district lines work to include more of one color than the other one. So that potentially then means that that elector from that district would end up being purple instead of orange, even though... The, dis- the way that the district lines were drawn out and the populace of that district, let's say the populace actually votes uh, orange heavy, but the way that the districts were, uh, the district was, was drawn, yeah. the purple one gets the representative. Yeah. Um, and it says right here, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution requires each state legislature to determine how electors for that state are chosen. And it automatically disqualifies any person holding a federal office, either elected or appointed, from being an elector. So you have to be a random, uh, well, not unbiased, but untied to a federal office. And as you also read, it is determined by the state legislatures to pick these electors. Correct. So we have no say as the people Absolutely. in who those people are. What that does point out to me, though, is that even it makes it very important in those other years when you can vote more locally, your local vote is going to have a direct impact on 
Correct. Highest stuff. Also, yes. line. Um, following what you said, I believe that they're removed from office post the vote, not... Uh, that's current. what I would assume, because yes. they have to wait for the vote to be finalized Correct. anyway. So, getting into what you said. Corey, can you repeat what you said earlier? So, if you have the Electoral College and, you know, California has the 55 seats, is is there each one of the 55 is the vote worth as much as a one of two state seats? So, or is cu- it inverse? Currently, the reason why we have 538 electors is because there's not enough room in that frickin' building in Washington, D.C. for more. So, yes, our 55 and someone else's two theoretically should be worth the same, but they are absolutely not. Yes, because in reality, California should have more representatives because of the population. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to the other point I was making is that the fact of that a certain population, basically any, if California votes orange and we have even 49% purple voters, those purple voters' votes are instantly thrown out of the window when it should be representative in the entire 538 of exactly what a popular vote works. Which is why we've had incidents in the past where presidents have got the popular vote, but not won the Electoral College. Hello, 2016. And uh, I many, think that was uh, also Bush and Al yes, Gore, wasn't it? it was. That's actually happened four times. Yes. So, and, and this kind of t- touches on your point, is that there's not enough votes to represent everybody. And the Electoral College being nearly, <laughs> at this point, four, four years away... From it being a 200-year anniversary of Electoral College. Ooh, look at that. Four years from now, we know what we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just it shows like that when this system was invented, they were not thinking the population was going to grow to 300 million. They thought this was perfect to represent 9 million people. And in a, in a sense, it does. I mean, if you have smaller districts, that's more representation per person, right? And... I could see how this would work maybe for smaller uh, smaller area of places, not smaller countries, because you could easily have, like, if we had the same same size country, 300 million, but had way more representatives, it would be a, an, easier, e- an easier election, right? But, yeah, because then you could break it down percentage-wise. Yeah, you could break it down percentage-wise. And if you have, like, even a representative one per 10, and you have, like, a, uh, would that be, like, 30 million... <laughs> representatives or something if i did the math right well and that's the thing is you you would potentially base it off of whatever state has the least amount of population and then base the representatives off comparative to that state and if we double the amount of representation we have a more accurate count of how our popular vote would be so the reason why this doesn't quite match up with today's standards is because this is not equal representation who cares if the electoral college is right or wrong there's just not enough representation. So if, if we just had more representatives or something, or a huge, giant, like, skyscraper full of these people, it would totally work. So my question then for you is, why in today's day and age with, uh, like, computers and electronic everything, right, why is it necessary to have an electoral college at all? Why can we not just skip vote. from, yeah, from the voting process to the tallying process. Theoretically, the idea is that it's still not safe enough to vote online. Correct. Um, 
And like you could think of like, well, if if you can protect, you know, but you can uh, still vote locally and then just have that information tabulated, right? There, it's it's still a matter of uh, fear of the unknown. They don't know what could possibly happen or if it gets hacked or whatever. I feel like it's just comparing two opaque things to another, and it's like oh. I feel like one of those things is less opaque than the other. It's 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 almost like comparing the national election to a random poll you might find across the internet is that it's very easy to tether together like 10 computers and have them all continually vote on the poll um even though with our national election you have to have it tied to social security have it tied to your address and have have you be a registered voter is that there's the- actually also depending on what state there's like triple checks in California they do it via address uh, they do a signet. You have to sign your your ballot as well. So they do a comparison on signature. And they do the name. But in Washington, which is the weird state about the assemblyman thing, they actually have individual unique IDs for every voter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And getting into it, the only time that you're going to hear anybody's opinion when they become, when they're going for president or a councilman is through a debate. Yes. Um. In addition, the only other thing is ads, and I wanted to. Quickly read this um, little blurb. It says any public commis- communication made by a political committee, including co- communications that do not expressly advocate the election or defeat of a clearly identified federal candidate or solicit a contribution, must display a disclaimer. Furthermore, it it talks about that the the disclaimer must be obvious. It must uh, say basically that this is an advertisement from this person sponsored by this person. Even delegates who like example, like whenever one of our presidents say like has that voice line, this is sponsored by me paid for by this sponsored by this paid for by the president for president committee. These, these are my words. It has to be big enough and obvious enough that it cannot be ignored. And that, that is in any advertisement they put out. So Anytime you see, like, um, um, vote for this ballot, vote for this measure, vote for this person, it must be obviously displayed who is sponsoring that, even though it doesn't have to say all the people sponsoring it. I was going to say, in terms of propositions, that's where they probably get away with it the most. Yeah. Because usually at the end of a no for 22 or yes for 22, it says paid for by this advocate group. Yeah. What you don't see is that advocate group is Uber, Lyft, <laughs> Postmates, all those other things, yeah. which is why we recommend going to Ballotpedia because it actually does break down that. They make it very transparent. Yes. Yeah. So uh, forgive me, Michael, if you're going to touch on this at some point as well, though. But uh, back to the Electoral College sort of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you guys recommend to someone um, to do or to research about how they can impact that voting process so that they do not feel as though they are losing their vote's worth or that they are getting the most worth out of their vote. That's the hardest thing to say because, honestly, with ballots and measures, it's a lot easier to feel like your vote is matters. But with the presidential election, it's really easy to feel like it doesn't. Um, and maybe Richard has more inspiring advice or advice, but really my my very plain advice is that live somewhere where your vote actually does matter. Well, actually, what I was going to say is is kind of what we already what we have already said is 
do your part by doing more research about the the lower end uh, assembly people. So maybe making sure that you're uh, researching and being a little more invested in off year voting, like off well, it ele- doesn't uh, presidential election year voting to sort of and the electoral college once again is only used for the president. It's not used for any other part of voting. So that's what I was going to say. Actually, it doesn't matter whether it's the two or four year because the Senate and House representative people are on both of them. Yeah, they they rotate. Mm-hmm. So those people technically are the people that pick those electors. Yeah. So that is technically more important. And that's why I said anything lower than the presidential. So Senate, House, and then also state, because usually the state people and all the other positions are usually up and comers for those mm-hmm. and to that, try and run against the incumbent people. And exactly what Richard is saying is that's what, if you want your, to feel like your vote matters, I would honestly say not ignore the presidency, just vote, you know, who who you're thinking, but don't put as much weight, weight on your vote for the presidency. Exactly what Richard said, vote locally and let that impact, which is really sucks if you're trying to look for quicker change. Yeah. But honestly, that is the quicker change it, is it does seem like grassroots politics is the one that really makes the waves. Absolutely. It just takes longer to build. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially for whatever state you're in. You get to vote on your governor. Mm-hmm. So, like, that makes a massive difference for your state. And, and you should. Quick advice for all of you out there. Um, if you want your vote to be impactful and matter most, get out there, vote early, get your vote in as, uh, as quick as possible, um, or show up to your polling location and vote that day. Um, those are some, besides uh, sending your mail-in ballot, like, three weeks or four weeks in advance, this is the next best thing because I'm pretty sure when you the when you show up to the vote uh, the polling place those votes are also tabulated the night of. Yeah, it's it's after polling is closed. Yeah. Is when the only thing count. that w- is is in trouble if you're sending your mail in ballot the week before it's not going to be <laughs> probably not going to be tallied even though it should be the the night of voting. So well, I, if I'm not mistaken, for mail in votes as long as uh you did it early enough. Mm-hmm. They start calculating it when they do the early voting. Yeah. So that's my big advice to you. Research your ballots. Research your measures. Research your propositions. I've been saying ballots instead of propositions all the time. Well, they're ballot measures yeah, and ballot, propositions. Yeah. Um, and really vote locally because uh, that's where your change is going to happen. Especially if as long as the electoral college exists... It's going to be really hard if you live in a place where you're voting opposite of everybody around you for your vote to really matter until we have, as they said a long time ago, equal representation. <laughs> or more than two parties. Yeah, or more than two parties. But, I mean, that's, again, our, our own <laughs> politics floating in. I, th- I really feel like equal representation is a, is a big idea that we've had in, in U.S. politics for a while, that we actually, the reason why we stopped being part of the British Empire is what equal rep- representation. Yes. And it's something that's very plainly not shown in our our presidential election because, I mean, that goes for anything. If I said, hey, how do, how do you view the world? And then I said, well, these 538 people are going to decide for you. And it would be like, what? Even 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 
further still. Oh, well, your opinion matches 1% of these other people. So these 538 people are going to determine your your view because you only did it with 1% yeah, of the other and, people. And that's, I would say, the underlying, no matter if you view it as old or as, you know, not mattering today, it's just a matter of representation. The system would work if there was enough room for everybody. Yeah. And and that's a an honest thing. If we it would just take off, also the winner takes all thing, and then adjust the population. Absolutely, the vote, yeah, it would work fine. But that's state by state. Yep. I mean, a lot of our issues in this country is because we weirdly we have so much freedom that we go, no, the states can decide when it's would be like, well, if the if the, if there's a federal mandate and everybody has to be the same about it, well, then that changes everything to everybody instead of it going. Well, you have to pass it through the California and pass it through the Washington and the Maine and the Nebraska, you know. In this case, convenience does not help. Yeah, because there's just too many people. So any last questions from you, Corey? No, I think you hit the most important ones that I had. Mm. Um, a lot of the concerns that I was talking to a couple coworkers as well, um, because I work with a couple younger people and they don't understand it, um, is just the second that you turn in your vote, it is instantly more valu- valuable than someone who hasn't. And the idea behind that is that if you don't vote, you're letting somebody else have the power that you do not anymore. You're giving somebody else the power of your not voting, basically. And well, I think as we've also proven, being that there is a lot on the ballot, it's not just the president. It's very important that you pay attention to the other stuff too, not just president yeah especially because if he not just the stuff that's impactful to you but what's impactful to those around you yeah i mean there's too many i mean especially when i was growing up there was too many stories of going well we know that those people don't have kids so they're not going to vote for anything for schools because they want lower taxes it's just looking not at just what is beneficial for you but what is beneficial to those people around you sense of community yeah what would benefit your community itself and Honestly, I would say that's all of us together's our idea is if you're going to vote, vote for community, not just for what's good for you, but what's good for everyone. Um, and just take that in mind when you're looking at the ballots, you know, no matter which way you vote. I mean, yeah, we totally d- we dug on Prop- Proposition 22. But if you researched it and you were like, well, I want to support this because I think it's better for the community. That's a good, rational way to think about whatever you're voting for. If you go, well, I'm not going to vote for Proposition 2 because I don't think it's good for the community. Going at it, addressing any ballot measure, proposition, or even voting for the president is important if you think about it for all of us, not just for you. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah. Good wholesome message. At please, the please take that in mind when you're going to any voting anywhere. Um, and as a reminder, please go vote. Yeah, please go vote. Uh, you can find us on uh, all the social medias. Um, and as we will start saying from now, rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps us out. Get our word out there. Um, get, uh, just get people more access to our podcast. Cause unfortunately that's how most everything works nowadays is just how much can you spread your brand name? <laughs> so help us spread our brand name and get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Way to make it sound like we're some like cheap cologne company like spread our brand name well no, this is paid for no, no, by no. richard Corey, and michael <laughs> yeah spray us on other people <laughs> <What>? <laughs> maybe someone's what? walking past you just just spray it in their ear just spray it just put an earbud no don't put an earbud in their ear yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa 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 don't <laughs> put a mask on the earbud and then put it in their ear 
<laughs> uh, thanks for doing this with us, guys. It, uh, us. I'm Venom. <laughs> Th- thanks for the podcast. This is another really fun one. I hope it was educational for all of you. What's uh, for me? Yeah. We have fun here. We, we, we have fun here. Um, as always, stay logical. Thanks, Corey. Go vote. <laughs>